0: It's your Daily Dose of Donna. Welcome to the show. Today is Tuesday, January 16th. I hope everyone is having a lovely morning. I am in a green state of mind, clearly. Green on green on green on green. What what do they say about green? Green is jealousy, right? Green is envy. So maybe I'm envious of all those amazingly beautiful people at the Emmys last night we are going to be talking all about the Emmys. We're going to be talking about a few different stories that have popped up uh, regarding some of your favorite or maybe not so favorite Bravo stars and more. i have got a few stories that we're going to cover today. So before we get into it, of course, I need to shout out this week's sponsor because support for today's episode comes from OneSkin. If you're like me, you tend to set really big goals for the coming year, but sometimes the simplest changes are the most impactful. So you guys have to start thinking about your skin, right? As we get older, I know for sure, myself, as we get older, I start to really notice all the changes. I remember my first time noticing that I was getting crow's feet. It was like 10 years ago. And then I started to realize I was getting a little bit more of a crepey neck. And then you start to notice all these things. And listen. Power to everyone that wants to age naturally. And that is great. But any help I can get, I would like to use. And One Skin is that for me. I have two of their products that I've been using for the last probably three weeks or so. And I love them because they're super, super simple. All you have to do is just wash your face. I use Cetaphil or Cetaphil. I don't know how you pronounce that. I just use drugstore cleaner. I make sure all my makeup is off. And then I always use some sort of a serum like a, um, hyaluronic acid type of serum. But then my final step before I put on my sunscreen or my foundation or concealer in the morning and then at night, I'll put on um, like an oil to kind of tap in all the moisture is this. So this is the OS1 face topical supplement for one skin. And then of course we have the OS1 eye topical supplement. Like I said yesterday, it really has no um, fragrance which is really important. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when you put stuff on your face and you're like, ugh, it smells all night. And then um, it's on your fingers and then like you taste it. I don't want it. I don't want that. I don't want that. So I really like One Skin. I'm having a really fun time using it and I'm really enjoying the way that I... um, you know, I'm feeling when I'm using it. So for a limited time, our listeners are going to get an exclusive 15% off One Skin products using the code Donna. That's D-A-N-A. Using the code Donna when you check it, check out at oneskin.co. That's 15% all off all one skin products. So start 2024 20, off right and give your skin the scientifically proven love it deserves with one skin. Just remember one skin is the world's first skin longevity company by focusing on the cellular aspects of aging. One skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code DONNA at oneskin.co. And then when they ask you, where did you hear about us? You got to say Daily Dose of Donna. Support the show support me. Thanks so much, you guys. I appreciate all the support. And I love that I'm introducing you products that I really, really enjoy every week. For the next few weeks, I'm just like, I'm I'm surrounded by amazing, amazing products. So thank you guys for supporting everything. Before we get into the stories, I need to clarify a comment that I made yesterday, and I didn't even realize it in the moment because I say so many things without thinking. Uh, you know, exactly what word I'm saying. And this is the problem with going live and not editing your show, which is really what I do, right? I come here, I go live, and then I immediately um, you know, it's it's up. It's on YouTube already. So yesterday I brought up my dog Murphy. Okay. I want to talk to you guys for a little quick second about my relationship with my dogs. I have two dogs, Frankie and Murphy. Frankie since 2010 and Murphy since 2020, okay? Both dogs are my loves. I spend a lot of energy every single day, making sure they're happy. I buy very, very good dog food for them. I go on daily, if not two times a day walks with both of them. I am a good dog owner. Okay, I love my dogs. However, yesterday, I guess I used the word mistake when I said it was a pandemic mistake. And the reason I said that is because a lot of times we bring things in like puppies, which by the way, does anyone remember how puppies are? Puppies are harder than babies in a lot of ways. So I remember feeling at the time, like what did I get myself into? And you know what? Now I'm gonna, now I'm gonna back myself up here. I remember seeing a TikTok a few weeks ago. I don't remember when exactly. And it was a viral TikTok. And it was a girl, a woman, probably in her 30s, crying hysterically because she got a puppy. And she's like, I don't know what's going on with me. I am in love with this dog. And I am so depressed. Like, this dog is ruining my life. We have to normalize the idea that you can talk openly about the fact that people that you love, animals that you love, things that you love drive you insane. So yes, I did use the word mistake and wow, did I get taken down yesterday in the comments that I am a bad dog owner, that I should rehome my dog, that I clearly don't love my dog. I want to be very clear. My dog is a high anxiety dog. Not both, just one. I don't know why. I don't know what caused this, but he was, for the first year of his life, we never left the house and maybe that's part of it. We were always together. So he has separation anxiety. He wants to be inside of our body. If he, if he had a chance, he would be literally French kissing every single one of us. The only people that would allow that are Jill Zarin, right? Like I don't let my dog lick in my mouth like Jill Zarin does or her or my nose. So anyway, I just want to say, um, you know, for me, when I talked about getting a crate, it's more from a place of this is actually what would make the dog feel safer. So a lot of times what you guys don't realize is dogs that are high anxiety tend to, you know, not be able to regulate. That's why they attack things. That's why they eat shoes. That's why they destroy things. That's why they're on top of you. That's why they are they can't stop moving. They're panting and all of that. It's because they feel nervous. Like, my dog is not calm when I take him into situations that he's not comfortable in, right? I remember once even taking him to one of Oliver's baseball games. I'm like, oh, I'm bringing my dog on a leash there. He was a mess. He Couldn't sit still. He was panicking, panting, anxiety. So I can either medicate every single day, which I choose not to, or I can do things that calm him down. And what I've heard is crate training a dog, even as an adult, is calming. So anyway... I do apologize for using the word mistake because the last thing I need out there is for people to say that I'm a dog abuser, a dog like hater. That is absolutely not the case in this house. And um, and he's not a mistake, but he is high maintenance and he's a pain in my ass. And I say that with love. So are my kids sometimes. If you're going to hate on me, then you probably don't have kids. Okay. Because let's be honest, everyone we love And everyone we care about is sometimes a pain in our ass. Can we just call it like it is? Why do we have to be so worried about offending everyone all the time? So signed off, dog lover. Okay, got it, got it. I had to do that because it sat so badly with me last night. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. People are really taking this seriously, like really literally that I hate my dog. It's not the case. Okay. Let's move on to some stories of other people acting badly. Let's start with Melissa and Joe Gorga. Did you guys remember last week we were seeing this viral video from TMZ or from somewhere that Joe Gorga stormed his son's wrestling match, right? His son was getting pinned over and over sorry, Gino, you just weren't the best on the, on the wrestling match in between you and the other guy. Sometimes you have to accept that your kid's not the best at something. And at this point, what we see in the video, we don't see every single detail, but what we see is an earlier match where he's clearly getting pinned down over and over. And then we see the final match where he's getting pinned. And as he's getting pinned right towards the end of when they kind of like hit the time or whatever, like you know, one, two, three, you're down. I don't even know the wrestling thing. Joe Gorga pops up out of his seat, which I think he was sitting up on like the fourth or fifth bleacher, right? Pops up down there and walks right onto the court, right in the middle of the match. And uh, from what we see, he's going after the other kid that beat him down, that beat his son down or that beat his son. Um, his excuse is that he went after the referee. If that was my myself or my husband, and we've talked about this being, you know, parents of child athletes, like you're going to see crazy stuff. Luckily, I haven't seen insane things in the baseball field, but like you see things, right? You see things over time. I would imagine that if that was me or my husband, I would be mortified. Not only as if I was Gino, the child, but if it was me, right, if if I saw Lance act that way, I'd be like, whoa, 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 calm down. If Lance saw me, Lance yells at me a lot of times when we're watching sports because I can't stop. I I say things like, um, I'll be like, that wasn't a strike. And then I immediately I'm like, oh, because I just don't have, I have no impulse control when it comes to just like yelling stuff out sometimes. Um, Or like in the basketball game over on Saturday, I was like, get like." take the ball from him. <laughs> so whatever, I have to like be careful, but Lance always is like, "Shh, stop, don't do that. You're going to get in trouble." So I would imagine if that happened and and you know, someone in my family went down on the court, I would be mortified. But here is the the problem here. A lot of times our emotions get the best of us and we do things we don't mean to in the moment. Joe Gorga is a prime example of that, right? He s- does things he acts on his feelings really fast. But Don't you think that afterwards, when you go home, when you realize you were ejected, kicked out of the match, which you was like by 10 people, like all the coaches and the dads and whatever, everyone's like, get out. Wouldn't you go on your wife's podcast on display and say, hey, I really like, you know, my emotions got the best of me. I got really heated. I shouldn't have jumped down there. I'm embarrassed that I did that. But yeah, I mean, like, it, it it's really hard for me to watch the game from the sidelines. I feel like to just say, like, sorry to the kid or to the other families and to my team or my son's team, like, and to my son, you know, but that's just how I was feeling. And just kind of like, you don't have to do a big, you know, apology tour or like press tour, but just show a little bit of, you know, recognizing our accountability. I recognize that that was wrong and I'm out, it, you know, and I'm, I won't do that again. But he didn't. Shockingly, he went on Melissa's podcast. And not only did he not apologize for it, he backed himself up over it. He was like, you guys are nuts that you think this is a big deal. Now, maybe in Jersey and maybe in wrestling, you guys tell me I don't have either of those experiences in my life. This is a normal experience. But my sister's son was a wrestler, and I think he still is in like eighth grade or ninth grade. I don't even know. I think he's in eighth grade. And I don't think my sister has ever told me that there was like chaos on the courts. So... For him to just come out and say, like, I didn't do anything wrong. It's not a big deal. He's blaming the other kid. He's like, the other kid stuck his tongue out at me. OK, that would be so weird, by the way. Can you just imagine if the other kid was like, mm, like, I doubt he stuck his tongue out. Maybe he was tired. Maybe he had to, like, pull out his mouth guard. And it looked like his, he was sticking his tongue out. But maybe he was like a dog that was really tired. You know how they, I don't know. Even if he did stick his tongue out, even if he went like, na, 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 na to Joe Gorga, it doesn't matter, right? Like there's a parent and then there's a child. And then Joe was saying, well, I I didn't even go after the kid. I went after the ref. Either way, the ref, and I don't know about like in general, but I remember finding out that in my son's little league, the umpires, you know, the, the guys that come and basically call each pitch and call the game. They're getting paid very, very little money per hour to do that. This is a choice that they want to do it. They enjoy doing it. And I imagine that's for most refs for high school and below. Like I can't imagine refs are making a killing. So to go after a ref and to attack them is also insane. And have your feelings. Feel it's unfair. Like go home and complain to your friends or like talk shit to your buddy but don't get yourself involved. And then when you do, apologize. But that just goes to show who these people are. A lot of these reality stars cannot and will not take any accountability for anything they do wrong. And that's why it's so hard to move on from our frustration with them, right? I imagine Teresa and Joe, well, they grew up in the same house, right? They grew up the same, and they're both very similar. They're unable to take accountability, they're unable to take, you know, uh, to recognize when they do wrong, and they're unable to change. Those two are, you know, cut from the same cloth in different ways. So I don't know. Thought it was kind of interesting news, although like did we expect more from Joe? But it really doesn't make him very likable, that's for sure. And I wonder what his son thinks about the whole thing. Or like the other players' parents, like the other teammates' parents. I wonder if they're like, that was so funny, Joe. Or they're like, what the F? Like, stay home next time. I wonder if they're going to not let him come to the next match. You know, like, there's a, sometimes you get banned from these things. Okay. Let's move on to a couple other Real Housewives stories that just popped up. Um, did you guys see this Amazon Live with Kyle Richards? Mm-hmm. I think it was a few days old. I think she was still in Mexico. And I feel like, you know, Morgan Wade was with her. I know that a lot of you guys have heard that she did an Amazon Live. This is what she does. She and Paige DeSorbo are like Amazon Live queens. They must make a shit ton of money doing them because they're always doing them. And there's no way Kyle Richards is taking time out of her vacation doing an Amazon Live unless it's making her, a, you know, a gang of money. But he was, she was at the Amazon Live and just one clip that I thought was interesting that we haven't talked about was how she downplayed hers and Dorit's relationship. So if you remember, Dorit has mentioned now a few times, not only on the show in her confessionals, in her interviews, but also on Watch What Happens Live in a few different ways. She's mentioned that she feels almost jealous or replaced by Morgan and Kyle's new friendship. Um, she talked about in this last episode that she felt like she wasn't really, I don't know if it was this last episode or two episodes ago that she felt like she and, and Kyle and PK and Mauricio had gone on all these vacations together. They really were good couple friends. And we've seen that on the show. Like you cannot deny that Kyle and Dorit were incredibly close on that show. They both live very close to each other in Encino. Um, they both have, you know, husbands who are in real estate and friendly. And I think the four of them did have a strong relationship. We've, saw, we've seen them on the show multiple times, the four of them together. And from what we heard, you know, they've traveled together a bunch from Dorit had mentioned this. So Kyle says on her Amazon Live that she doesn't even really remember going out with Dorit other than one trip, maybe. She's like, you know, I really like to hike and work out and Dorit's not really into that. So we're just not that close we're just not that close. And, you know, we're just not, we've never really been that close. So she's exaggerating our friendship. I thought that was kind of like quite mean to say. Can you imagine being kind of just speaking from a place of not anger, but speaking from a place of like maybe sadness that one of your friends found a new bestie and you felt like a little bit left in the dust. How many of us have felt that way, by the way, through the years, right? How many of us have felt replaced by friendships? And, you know, someone all of a sudden gets a new job or a new hobby or a new passion, and then they become besties with someone else that you don't know. They don't include you really. They don't invite you. And they're so different from you. And your relationship with them kind of dies off. and. If you're speaking from a place of sadness or like jealousy or whatever, at that point, it does feel a little bit sad that the girl that you feel that way about would kind of just say, you're exaggerating. We were never that close. It's a little bit mean. I don't know. It didn't sit well with me. I'm curious what happens tonight, to, tonight, tomorrow night on Beverly Hills, um, we have... Kyle, we have seen one scene, I don't know if you've seen this yet, where Kyle and Mauricio are sitting in the car and they're driving to something. I heard it was a memorial service, but I'm not exactly sure whose memorial service they went to, but they were driving to an event and they were in the car. And basically, I mean, you couldn't, these two are so not meant to be together anymore at this point. So, you know, I don't know. It does feel a little, I felt bad for Dorit in that moment. And trust me, I am not, I am absolutely not a Dorit apologist by any means, but I did feel bad for her in that moment. Another uh, Bravo story that I thought just popped up that I thought, okay, I'll cover it because why not? This is the nice thing about doing a daily show. We can cover daily stuff. Brandi Glanville, according to, um, this is in Daily Mail, Brandi Glanville accuses, Roni alum Kelly Ben Simone of lying about having to financially support her daughters after her divorce. So, this was like kind of a big thing that, um, oh, maybe it was a toothless, not homeless event, Debbie. Yeah, maybe for, for Kyle. This is a big thing that has been coming up um, over the course of the seven episodes or six episodes of Girls Trip. Kelly Ben Simone, what a trip. Her big story is like, I have done this alone. I really hated that she really like villainized Kristen Takeman. So Kristen, her story kind of is that, you know, she and her husband were enmeshed in a little bit of scandal with Ashley Madison of it all and her choice, Kristen's choice was to work through the issues, whether or not it was true or not. It doesn't matter. It's no one's business. But it was to work through the issues and make their marriage work, which cut to 10 years later, they're living their best lives, right? I mean, from what we see, they're in Calabasas. They're out here in California. They have two teenage kids and they seem really happy and together. So she chose to stay in a marriage that was um struggling or going through some stuff and work on it. Kelly, on the other hand, looked at Kristen throughout the entire six episodes as like a failure, not a failure, but like a cop-out. Like Kelly almost made it sound like I can... um I can, uh, you know, you can't speak because I'm the one that's gone through this as a single mom working my butt off, have no choices in the matter. You decided to stay with your husband as if that's a failure. And I really disliked all of Kelly's arguments throughout the entire six episodes, but specifically this one didn't make any sense because we have all watched the show enough to know that Kelly has a ton of money, and she always has. I don't know exactly like what her net worth is. But even when she was on the show season two of Roni, so we're talking, you know, 15 years ago, she was doing okay. She lived a nice life. So Brandy Glanville, who I don't know if we can trust anymore. I really don't understand if I can trust her or not with anything she says, has claimed that Kelly ben Simone is lying about being left with nothing following her divorce from fashion photographer Gil ben Simone after she claimed she had to financially support her daughters as a single mom. Um, she talked about it on her own podcast, Brandy Glanville unfiltered, Brandy Glanville unfiltered with Kristen. Kristen was the guest and she didn't hold back. She said that Brandy took issue with the idea that Kelly was not receiving any form of support who is from her ex-husband, who is thought to be worth of 20, 30, 20 to $30 million. She claims that she didn't get anything from her ex-husband. Brandy said, I'm sorry, but that's just not true. She says she's lying. If someone gives you a $12 million house in the Hamptons, you've got something. And I promise you, she didn't get nothing. I don't think that's good grammar. She didn't get anything she should have said, but she said she didn't get nothing. It's just impossible. You saw her house in the promos, the way she lives, the kids, the whole, I came from nothing and I built everything on my own. It's just, there's no way. He was so rich. There was no way that she got nothing. Um. Kristen asked whether Brandy believes he is wealthy. Brandy says 100%. He was a huge fashion photographer. He shot every cover of Elle. Um, She definitely got stuff. So I truly, I hate to say it. I truly believe it. I mean, the house, now she's, you know... Who knows? But after the split, after she divorced, she famously kept the couple's five-bedroom mansion in East Hampton as part of the divorce settlement. And then she sold a two-story home for less than half the asking price at $5.76 million. She has a house in Soho or an apartment in Soho. Like I said, I believe that Kelly does have money. I also believe that money is in everything. And raising your kids as a single mother is very hard. Uh, I I it's tricky it's tricky to take someone like Kelly's word when you know that she was married to a, a very very wealthy man. I just don't believe that she just never fought for anything. And you she did get stuff out of that marriage, but you know, Brandy always has something to say. We're never going to we're never going to not hear something from Brandy Glambo. That's for sure. Don't you agree? Another story. Let's talk about Brock. Um Brock Davies, this was a little bit of a controversial subject over in my Facebook group. Once again, if you haven't joined the Facebook group, Daily Dose of Donna, it's a free community where you can talk about reality or pop culture or celebrity stuff. You can post things. You can read things. It's a nostalgia group. We love uh, chatting about all kinds of things in there. Over on the Daily Dose of Donna, this was a controversial subject. So Brock was on Sheena's, his wife's podcast this week, and a clip has resurfaced or a clip has surfaced of the two of them. So essentially what happened was they talked about going to Australia. I don't know if they have gone or they are going, and he will not be able to see his two kids who are, I don't know exactly how old they are. I would imagine they're probably like, 10-ish, I don't know. And maybe they're older. And um, and he's not allowed to see them. They are living with their mom. They have a stepdad. They have a half-brother or half-sister or something. And Brock got very emotional talking about this. So we don't know the detailed details details, but what is alleged is that Brock, um, trigger warning, we're talking about spousal abuse, Okay. Brock hit her or, or abused her in some physical way. Um, apparently he got arrested for it. He got in trouble for it. And then I think on top of everything, he then moved to the the States and completely didn't pay child support for many years. This is the story that I read. I believe it to be true. I do think that he made major mistakes. Now, the controversy is not whether or not he was an effed up deadbeat dad. I think the truth is he was, and he definitely owns up to that. I also do believe in redemption, and I do believe in forgiveness, and I do believe in change. And I think people can change, I do. I think you can change and you can actually be um, redeemed for bad behavior in your past if you're given, if you do a certain amount of things, right? Not only do you have to take accountability for, effing up. Sounds to me like Brock is doing, right? Then you have to apologize for that. Sounds to me like he's done that. And then you have to show in your actions, your wanting to change, which from what I saw in this clip where Brock started to cry, felt like he was. It really did. I did get a, a sense watching this That Brock is genuinely upset at himself for what he's done in the past. Look, I have, and I've talked about this so much on Patreon, but I have myself a deadbeat dad, right? He is a loser. And the reason why I no longer speak to him is because he is not capable of taking responsibility and showing any remorse and change in behavior from all the things he did as a a bad dad. And when that is the case, how can you take someone's work? How can you ever forgive someone, right? But to me, I believe in seeing this clip and, you know, this is going to be controversial because everyone has their own stories, right? Everyone has their own situations. But even me who had a dad who completely screwed us over, I still give compassion and forgiveness for people that mess up. Like a lot of us, we have to remember as parents, like we're not born perfect, right? You you, you have a kid for your first time ever. Most of us are able to see right from wrong, right? And we know how to be a parent and it's unnatural for us to do anything but be that good parent. But a lot of us are not left with those skills. I don't know. I just think that Brock did eventually pay his child support back. He is paying child support on time. He's showing that he loves them. He wants them to feel safe to come to him. He's not a aggr- being an aggressor in terms of like forcing them to see him. He wants it to be a choice that they make. He doesn't want to disrupt their lives too much. He doesn't want them to have to, you know, get thrust in the, into the public eye. For me, I felt like he was someone that I could forgive. And I truly believe that he is someone that is showing remorse for his actions. So I'd love to hear from you guys. If you have seen the clip, do you agree with me on this? Or are you still like, nope, never can forgive him, you know, for the rest of his life. He is always going to be a bad person in this or, you know, the loser in this case. I don't know. So it's all tough. It's all very tough. But I like to believe the best in people. And like James Kennedy is a perfect example of someone who has completely done bad in the past. You guys, it is not like it's not a secret that supposedly, according to Kristen Doty, James Kennedy has been abusive. We've heard now from Rachel that apparently he was a bad dog owner. You guys should go after him and not me. Right. And for whatever reason, everyone just like loves on James. Why is it okay in certain cases and not in others, you know? I'm curious. So I would like to know um, where you guys feel on that. For me, I am willing to give people forgiveness, compassion, and accept that they're going to change as long as um, they show us, right? And that's the best we can do is just give them a chance to show us. That's my thinking about it. Um, and then the final bravo story before we get into the Emmys from last night is Sam and Corey. So this morning, Not Skinny But Not Fat, which is a podcast that releases, I believe it's a once-a-week podcast. Amanda, I'm a fan of the show, depending on the guests. I actually like her, her um, her interviews. She was, she had Sam um from I can I don't remember how to pronounce her last name. Is it Fair Fairer? I'm going to tell you guys right now. She had Samantha, Sam is what we call her, um, from Summer House on her her, um, show today. And I listened to the show and what I think, Samantha Fair, I would imagine it's pronounced fair, it's F-E-H-E-R. She was on the episode and talked all about kind of her experience going into Winterhouse because she showed up as Corey's girlfriend, even though they weren't exclusive. And then she talked a lot about her relationship. Sam is 26 years old. Okay. She is very well spoken and she's very smart. And here's something that I really realized from this episode number one, she confirms that she broke up with Corey. Corey is the guy that was on, um, he's on Summer House and also Winter House. And he's just basically the player. He's the one that was flirting with all the girls and kind of basically downplaying his relationship with Sam the entire time. And then when she came in and she got really, you know, kind of confused why all these girls were flirting with Corey, he like, he kind of just pretended everything was fine. And then she almost like forced him into saying, you're my girlfriend. But apparently he was never really ready for a relationship. He was not loving to her. He didn't buy her things for Valentine's Day or care for her for any of these things. He never took care of her, she says. Um, and it's not just financial, or it's more just like the thought. You know, we say actions, right? Um, she felt like he was just not willing to be there for her the way she wanted a boyfriend. And here's what I really, really appreciated about her story. Being that she's only 26, um, because that is like a very, very mature way to look at it. She, in the episode of Summer House, in one of her first episodes of Summer House last season, she was taken aside by Maya, who's one of the um, other girls on Summer House, who told her, Sam, um, you just like talk too much. I just feel like you're constantly talking. Raise your hand if that has been told to you before in your life, right? How many times have you heard? I don't know about you, but I know I have, right? I see it all the time. Um, you're annoying. You talk too much. You're over the top. You're too loud. Why are you always trying to, you know, say you're? you're always trying to you know, get involved or talk, whatever. This has always been my thing. So for Sam to recognize that she was in relationships before this, where she felt like she was stifled by her boyfriends, where they basically were like, you're just too much, like take it down a notch. And that is so relatable for anyone that's listening. Like how many people have felt that they couldn't be themselves. And I think If Sam's personality is talkative and too much, quote unquote, like let you be that. Let her be that because there's room in our world for everyone to be able to be themselves. There's the introverted and the quiet people. There's the loud and um, extroverted. There's the comedic people. There's the serious, um, you know, more kind of dry people. It's like, why can't we all just be ourselves and find your people? Because not everyone's going to like a Sam, just like not everyone's going to like a, you know, a Barbara or a Sabrina or a Rachel or a Corey, right? Like everyone's going to find their people. And I hate that some people feel just because they're around others that it makes them annoyed or uncomfortable that you can't be a certain way. Unless you're actually doing something that is hurting someone, which that in that case, yes. You should maybe not act a certain way. But if you're just being yourself and it's annoying to people, go F yourself, people. Like, just be your, like, find the people that appreciate you for who you are. And Sam was recognizing that Corey didn't appreciate her for who she was. So she said, I didn't break up with him because I didn't love him. I broke up with him because he didn't love me. I said, wow. Wow. That's like pretty, she's a pretty mature girl. So, you know, the final straw was that she sent him a text and he didn't respond. He left her on red. How many of us have been left on red? Feels good, right? She left her, he left her on red for 48 hours. 48 hours. And then she said, Whoa, 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 this just doesn't seem right. And of course, she ended up breaking up with him. So, that thought it was interesting. And She's no longer going to be on Summer House, I don't think. And that seems so strange. I don't know why they're not bringing her back. I thought she was a great reality star. So that is all of the Bravo drama for today. Tonight is, of course, um, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City Reunion Part 2. Obviously, we're all going to be watching this, right? This is like a big one. I'm very curious where they end up going with Monica. I'm still on the fence if I want her back on the show next season. I still think it doesn't work if she's on the show now knowing what she is and who she is and what she's capable of. And at the same time, if they lose her, what now? Like we just have to hear more about the bathtub because no thanks and no thanks. All right, let's talk Emmys. Who watched the Emmys last night? I have to say, number one, I kind of forgot that they were on because Monday nights just don't work for my brain. Sunday nights are award shows nights. So it was Monday night. Of course, the Critics' Choice Awards that I didn't watch, I just saw the clips were on the night before. The Emmys were on and I I tuned in, luckily, um, late so I could fast forward through commercials. And here are some thoughts. Okay, number one, Anthony Anderson is a fantastic host. A lot of people were going down um, hard on Anthony Anderson last night. I saw on X or on Twitter. Like a lot of people were saying, um, you know, he shouldn't sing and he this and that. And I'm like, "Um, I'm sorry. I think that he was fantastic. I thought he was funny. I thought he was entertaining. I thought his timing was great. You can't even put him in the same room as a Joe Coy in terms of his personality. He had an ongoing kind of joke about his mom being in the audience is that? It's got to be his real mom, right? Was that his real mom? I'm going to Google. Basically, his mom was like the um timekeeper. She was like the mom that was like, stop talking, move on. It made an issue that is constant where there's like lots of, um, you know, oh my gosh, I got to go. The, the music is running me off. It made it more fun that instead of music, the mom was like, okay, enough. It's time. I'm not really sure. Yeah, it says it was his mom, his mom, Doris. I mean, she did such a great job. Her timing was fantastic. I'm so surprised that they did this. Um, So, yeah, it says that instead of the award show's notorious playoff music, Doris Bowman, that's his mom, would be the one letting people know when their acceptance speeches were going over the allotted time. She did her job so well that the broadcast ended exactly when it was supposed to be. Like, for example, when Jennifer Coolidge got up, she won um, for Best Supporting Actress in a Drama Series for The White Lotus. She was the first person that Bowman had to kind of stop. He, she put up a cardboard sign with like a clock and she said, um, you know, she basically let Coolidge know it was time... To leave the stage, she said, baby, baby, time. John Oliver also purposely ran out of his clock so that she could tell him that your time was up and he thanked Jesus and his family, which is what Anthony Anderson had basically said. If my mom tells you time is up, just thank Jesus and your family. I thought it was really funny. Um, Yeah, I I really enjoyed that. I loved the, the whole vibe of the show. Here's why I think it's great. It was a show celebrating 75 years of TV. And what they did was they were able to bring back some iconic casts and sets and bring them back together in a way that it was so cool to see. So like we saw Martin, the cast of Martin, Tisha Campbell and um, Martin Lawrence and a couple of the other characters uh, show up in like their living room or that one of their sets, right? We saw the cast of Cheers. Oh, did your heart die when you heard that song? Like, where everybody knows you, you know, that song. Um, Ted Danson, of course, was there. George Went, um, Rhea Perlman, and then you know, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills fans will recognize Kelsey Grammer just watching him right now in on season one. That's that was fun. Um, that was really cool to see. They had Grey's Anatomy cast come back now. Of course, they didn't bring the whole cast. I wish they would have. It's a massive cast though, but like at least they should have brought up back McSteamy and McDreamy. They didn't, but it was, um, it was Ellen Pompeo and it was a few of the other cast members, but the most important kind of most interesting one was that they brought back Katherine Heigl, who famously had like drama with the show and she left. So I loved, loved that. Um, Ally McBeal, they had Calista Flockhart who just looks insanely amazing how cute are she and Harrison Ford? Like, I never thought they would last. I always thought she was so much younger than him. It looks to me like they're just like happily in love. And um, she did a whole Ally McBeal thing with a bunch of the cast. They were doing the dances. It was just so fun to see them. Did you ever watch that show? I watched a lot of it. I d- I wasn't addicted to it, but I remember watching it. Around that time, I was really into brothers and sisters. I don't know if you watched that show. Um, who else did we get to see? All in the family, we saw Rob Reiner. Um, Sally Struthers, we saw, uh, Marla Gibb. like, we just saw such incredible. We had like, there was a weekend update, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, of of course, so funny. And then there was like a little bit of a weird shtick with Tracy Ellis Ross and Natasha Leon pretending to be Lucille and Ethel, um, Lucy ball and Ethel. I just, I, I just didn't, I don't know. I didn't love that. I thought it was kind of lame. But in general, the winners were perfection. I mean, most of them were exactly what I wanted. If you have not seen Beef, do it. It's a ride. But it's really good. Succession, as you guys know, is one of my favorite shows. I miss that show tremendously. Um, I, I did not see... Um, what else won? Oh, The Bear. And we're watching The Bear. So it was, a, I mean, all of my favorites pretty much won. I don't think there was anything that I felt like so incredibly devastated by or bummed by. Um, but I just thought it was a great show. I thought it was a great show overall. And I love the speeches. The Oh, Niecy Nash. When Niecy Nash won, her speech was great. She's like, I want to thank me for being me. It reminds me of that. Um, is it a Snoop Dogg TikTok sound where he's like, I want to thank um, me for loving me. Like I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's so. Uh, it was a great speech. It was Martin Luther King Jr. Day, so of course there was a big um, kind of conversation that a lot of people brought up about Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and I appreciated that for the most part. It didn't feel like a political statement because a lot of these, not for the Martin Luther King Jr. because that is not political, but for a lot of the other award shows sometimes you feel like a lot of politics come in and being the fact that we're in a very kind of highly charged political time right now I'm glad that I didn't see that I didn't feel that personally maybe I missed something um Kieran Culkin is the cutest ever the way that he gets emotional talking about his mom oh my god I just really want to know Kieran and Macaulay Culkin's life story like I want to I want to see a documentary about them growing up I'm sure there's books and stuff out there about the Culkins, right? I know they had like a really, really big family, and I imagine they didn't have a very good relationship with their dad. Is my guess because he keeps thinking his mom, and dad is never brought up. Um, Christina Applegate, thank you. Christina Applegate was the um was the uh most gorgeous, like beautiful, beautiful moment. It started the show. It opened the show. So after after Anthony Anderson did his opening monologue and song, then Christina Applegate walked out. And of course she has a cane. She walks, um, you know, she, she's a little bit challenged because of her MS. And I've read so much about her and where she is right now in her life. And I just feel so sad for everything that she's going through. I really do. I mean, she, to me, is like such a clear, um, case of how this really can change and, and make your life so challenging, but she came out and she was, you know, she's been an actress since she was a baby, a baby, a baby. So of course, Meredith children, you know, don't tell mom the babysitter is dead. Like I grew up watching Christina Applegate and she was so beautiful and just so funny and just so emotional. She said, "Body, not by Ozempic." Thought that was adorable. Really, really, really loved that moment. I do want to shout out Darlene, who's the um, in the comments right now. She said, "I was the department head of hair on Brothers and Sisters." So yes, Sally Field, my favorite. Sally Field, Calista Flockhart, so many amazing people on that show. Um, that is so. That is so great. I actually really, really love that you're here. Thank you so much for for mentioning that. Really cool. So. Um, the immemorium was beautiful, right? Charlie Puth sang his song, See You Again. And, the, and with, I can't remember their names, um, two other singers, Treat and Heart. I, I, I don't want to say it wrong, but they started to sing um, you know his song and then it went into a medley of I'll Be There For You, which is by the Rembrandts, you know, the Friends theme song. Of course, we knew they were going to mention Matthew Perry. He was kind of like the final Um, and it's impossible to watch his face there and not feel emotional. He's such a big part of our TV landscape. But I noticed there were so many people this year who passed away. They finally paid respects to Twitch, Steven Twitch boss, who they forgot to last year. I'm surprised they put him in because they usually don't put them in for the next year if they forget one year. But then, of course, we had people like um, Barbara Walters like really, really just, I I mean, of course I'm forgetting so many people, but so many incredible, incredible people, um, in this, in this memoriam. So that was like a little emotional. All in all, I thought it was a very fast moving, enjoyable show. I love the Emmys because I'm a TV girl, right? I love the Emmys. Um, the dresses were incredible. Everyone looked beautiful. Um, I mean, of course not everyone, let's be honest. But I'm not here as a fashion police girl, so I'm not going to go there. Uh, The parties looked fun. I just really enjoyed the show. I listened to it in the background while I was doing laundry, cleaning up, doing my puzzle. Like, I just enjoyed having it in the background. It made me happy. So anyway... That's where we are for the end of today's episode. As always, I hope you guys continue to watch Daily Dose of Donna every single day. Thank you so much for subscribing, letting know. And like, I really am asking, let your friends know, post it in your Instagram stories, do a screenshot and say, I love Daily Dose of Donna. I want more people to hear about my show this year in 2024. So the more people you tell, the more people that learn about the show and, um, I'm excited for you guys to uh, continue on the journey with me. Thank you so much. My Patreon episode this week, I'm going to release it probably tomorrow. It's going to be covering a couple other shows that I'm watching. It's going to be covering the traders because I don't want to spoil it here because I know a lot of people are not watching it yet. It's going to be covering the traders and it's going to be covering um, a great new reality show called The Trust on Netflix. Four episodes have been released. I'm obsessed with it. I know a Fifth episode will be out tomorrow. It's really, really good. So make sure you guys watch, join the Facebook group, join Patreon. Thank you guys again so much. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Tax day is coming. Oh, no.